Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 496 of the Juice Box Podcast. Six of the Juice Box Podcast. <clears throat> hello, hello, friends. Hello. Hello. Today's episode is with Mike. Mike's had type 1 diabetes for a long time, and he's here to talk about how he eats. Mike will actually be back on the show later in the year to talk about some of his complications. That We didn't cover that here it seemed like it needed its own place, but look out for Mike again in an upcoming After Dark episode. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. I wonder how low I could get my voice for real. <clears throat> always cold. No, always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan. We're becoming bold with insulin. That hurt my chest. I used up all the time where I usually tell you there's a bunch of other episodes about how people eat, but you'll find them. They're in there somewhere. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Omnipod, makers of the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. You may be eligible for a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash. Holy moly, 30 days. I know that's what you were thinking. Check it out at Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. And the show is also sponsored today by the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Get started today. Do good things for yourself. Omnipod and Dexcom qualify as a good thing for yourself or for a loved one. You get my point. Okay, here comes the show. My name is Mike. I live in San Diego, California. I'm type 1 diabetic. And for those of you around the world, this is the good old US of A. All right, Mike. You and I know each other bizarrely, um, <laughs> in my opinion, just because of how I think of the world. So COVID hits and... I got caught up for a second in a hysteria that content providers all got caught up in the idea that somehow because people were going to now work from home, they were going to lose track of their, of their people. And I think they, they're like, okay, well, everybody's, you know, using, you know, video chatting. We'll all do these video chats. People can say whatever they want, Mike. Let me be cynical right out of the box, okay? They can say if they want to, I just wanted to keep all my people connected and everything, but they were already connected. Like, not going to work didn't disconnect them. I think people thought lives were going to change and that these followers, and I'm making quotes with my fingers because I don't think of the people listening as followers, but I think that people believed they were going to lose their followers, that their lives were going to change, and they were going to forget about their favorite Facebook page or charitable organization. So they tried to hold them all together. And then I fell right into it. And I was like, I'll hold a Zoom for everybody. And the funny thing is, is I liked it. And I was like, oh, this is nice. Like get together a little bit. But we would have, I mean, sometimes 70, 80 people in that Zoom, right? And and so then I got competitive about it. <laughs> because there were other people holding them that had like four or five, 10 people. And I was like, oh, I'm kicking their ass. I should keep doing this. <laughs> But no, but seriously, like I had a really good time with it, but at some point it wasn't sustainable and people didn't need it anymore. Like I think after the fear of 
life just changed really drastically very quickly went away i don't think i just i don't think people wanted it any longer and and honestly i felt like my time for everybody listening was better served making the podcast than cuz it took a lot of time to to do but you were one of the people that came into it yeah that's correct right and that's where we we met eventually um yeah that's that's where we met matter of fact it was um so I got turned on by the podcast several weeks before that, um, listening to it, started uh, applying your, your techniques of uh, bumping and nudging. And I was actually out on a walk. It was uh, about 12, uh, about actually about 1130 California time, which was almost, uh, you were about halfway into your, uh, no, you weren't quite into it. You were almost into your first um, Zoom chat, which I heard on that podcast. Okay. And I'm like trying to hurry back so I could get in on the Zoom and I made it about halfway through so that was our that was our first. Right. And and I have to now that we're talking about it and I'm done being flippant about it. I really did like it. And I thought it was I thought it was great. What ended up happening was oh, unlike what I expected. I thought it was going to be like conversation to make people feel connected, but it kind of quickly turned into like ask Scott and Jenny live, except Jenny wasn't there and people were just asking me a lot of questions, which I, I was happy to do because you were seeing some people had the questions, but not the nerve to speak up. So if someone asked the question, everybody sort of got the benefit from it. And it's not that I wouldn't continue doing it. I, I do think it's nice, actually. Um, but I don't know. Like, I'll see. I just I ran out. It got I, I was also thrown into COVID at the time, you, you know, so my <laughs> life was kind of messed up too, but I really didn't want to see my concern. Wasn't like everyone else's. I don't think people are going to abandon this podcast. I think the podcast has a, a, a real solid following. My concern yeah. was not creating content in a moment when you needed something that represented normal to you. So I wanted there to keep being content. But then I was surprised by the whole thing, and I liked talking to everybody. It felt like I was giving a talk in public, except I didn't have to get on a plane first. It was kind of nice, honestly. Yeah, I think it was a, it was a nice tie-in to, I mean, like you said, at that time, COVID hit, and everybody was freaking and panicking. So it was, you know, we're at home. We're not out seeing our friends and our normal comrades. We're listening to the podcast. And then to be able to kind of have that, you did a few Zoom kind of connection of, oh, okay. We're there together, which yeah. kind of like <sighs> calms everybody one of those. down. Makes it fit. Yeah. I have to be honest. I've gotten a number of notes during Corona. By the way, COVID, Corona, I bounce back and forth. You'd think I'd pick one. But during <laughs> during COVID, I got a, a number of notes. And that was really what it was about from people. Like, thank you for being consistent with the show. That was a, a real, like, a strong through um, in a lot of the messages. So anyway, um I don't know if we were planning to have you on before we start. I started talking to people about how they eat or not, um, but I do want to learn a little bit about you before we find out about how you eat. Sure. So, uh, how old were you when you were diagnosed? How old are you now? So, yeah. So I was between. I was actually misdiagnosed at first. Um, I was around nine. Um, I was misdiagnosed from a general practitioner having an ulcer. I was getting, uh, my symptoms were getting those double over stomach cramps. I guess I, I had the flu or something. And from my understanding, uh, that could trigger, uh, you know, your body attacking this pancreas, which was, that's what was happening. Right. 
So misdiagnosed with an ulcer, the doctor, the, the general practitioner, uh, diagnosed my mother with being too hard on me. So sent her to a psychiatrist, which was furthest from the truth. <laughs> so my poor mother, um, long story short, they treat me for a, uh, an ulcer and I'm just withering away. And they finally had to take me to the hospital. So it was right around 10. Wow. Um, that, that I was finally correctly diagnosed. Okay. We have to, I know that you were young and it was not, you're not, a, listen, you're not a, an old man, but you're not a young man. And so I'm, I'm saying, I know it wasn't five minutes ago, <laughs> but, but do you have like a little context for that? So they thought your mother was like overbearing about your health. Yeah, just life in general, just, you know, being a, a kid. So that, because, you know, why would a eight, nine, 10 year old have an ulcer unless your mother was stressing you out? Oh, um, that was the leap. So, yeah. So oh. because I was having such bad stomach cramps, bouts of it, when I guess my body was attacking the pancreas, we went to our general practitioner and he said, well, that bad of a stomach cramp, he's got to have an ulcer. So you have to be hard on the boy. <laughs> <laughs> what year was this, Mike? Uh, 70. 74, 75, right in that range. No kidding. Because um, I remember around 76 when the Freedom Train came. That's about when I was properly diagnosed. Um, so, yeah, so for a year or so, so I, they did the barrelillium test and all that stuff. And I'm, I remember that. I remember the, the x-ray technician when they were doing the barrelillium or whatever they call it stuff to see where the ulcer was. And I'm drinking the stuff. Of course, my sugars are probably all out of whack from actually being a type 1 undiagnosed. I mean, I just vomited all over the cutest technician. <laughs> I remember the look on her face was just, it's all this pink uh, stuff. So that was, uh, that was my, one of my memories of that. But uh, yeah, so my mother was definitely not hard on us. She was an excellent mother, very loving, caring, but. What a strange leap in, in like, how come they didn't think you were upset about, you know, the Nixon scandal? <laughs> uh, well, I, <laughs> actually, I could have been, but I didn't follow politics at that time. But you never know. I could have been a secret politician. Um, but yeah, no, that wasn't uh, wasn't the case. And it's kind of funny. We're not funny, but just pictures of around that time. I, you, you know, skin, bones, all the symptoms. Right. Um, but from nobody being, put it together. From being pressured by somebody is what they thought. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The world's yeah. come a long way in a short time, huh? I, and yeah, it's hard and, to it's hard to feel that way in the moment, but for anyone that's really like putting the numbers together here, in the early seventies, Mike's mother was sent to a psychologist for how terrible she was to Mike because his stomach hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that, sexism. That, in case you're wondering, <laughs> like, it, it, it completely is. Yeah, yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's really crazy. Okay, so they originally they eventually find out that you don't have an ulcer. What's management like in the early 70s? Oh, my gosh. So in the early 70s, well, there was beef and pork um, insulin. So you would take the beef until you were kind of, uh, you know, resistant to that. And then you'd take the pork until you were not resistant to that. There was no meters. No, uh, there was no really way to test. Um, they kind of, if you weren't falling over, you were doing good was mm -hmm. kind of their rule of thumb. Uh, they had exchange rates, which, you know, you know, two starches or at that time they called it two breads, a fat, a protein, and you'd kind of try to do that and, uh, go along, which throw that right out the window. You take a shot at that time I was on one shot a day of a mixture of, um, uh, you know, obviously the, the regular, the, the beef or pork and then a long acting. And you, you just took that and went about your day. 
nobody knew what you were. I was probably, I was probably always five around 500. I had to have been because I never fell over. Well, it, it really is when you stop and think about it. Like I'm assuming you'd eat something if you were dizzy. And then other than that, you didn't think about it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was, that, that was it. And then you'd go to the doctor every three or six months, whatever it was at that time. I really don't remember. And they would obviously do the a1 t a1c test and scold your parents because you were probably too high but that's that. how do you how do you bring it down you know in modern thinking what what that really makes me think about is i was just helping somebody the other day and i was teaching them how to you know correct a lower blood sugar without overcorrecting it and i i made this offhanded comment i was like hey look it's so close right now if your child has a, a chewy vitamin like a gummy vitamin that you use now would be a great time to give it. And she's like, yeah, he does that. They only have four carbs. And I'm like, that's perfect. Give him four carbs. So kid gets the vitamin. Of course, she gets nervous because she's just starting to learn how to do it and gives him a few Skittles. And then the kid's blood sugar is 200. And keeping <laughs> in mind that that's how it all works, like imagine just, hey, I'm dizzy. I'll eat. You weren't, you weren't having a Skittle. You were eating. You were having a meal, right, if you got dizzy. Oh. Oh yeah. And then that time, so the raisin box is about the size of a cigarette pack. Uh, you imagine how many carbs that thing had in it. That's so what they would give eat, you. You eat one of those, you drink plus maybe the orange juice. Um, and so you were probably from, you know, 40 to 500 again, yeah, <laughs> just from minutes. the overcorrection. In 10 minutes. <laughs> and, um, when did meters come into your life? So gosh, I got my first meter in 1987 15 or so, so from, years later yeah wow. from 76 or whatever it was to 87 so yeah, yeah that's when i got my first meter your, there was your mid-20s really nothing before that really no control no and and i'm thinking that not being able to see your blood sugar in any kind of time forget like real time like nowadays if you have a glucose monitor if you're lucky to have one of those you you probably had no you probably that was probably starting over right getting a meter because of what oh, you my were gosh. learning that was that was completely starting over so um prior to that you just you took whatever insulin the doctor kind of prescribed you in the morning and the evening and pretty much ate whatever you want <laughs> jeez all right when did you become a modern type 1 like when did you get a pump when did you move to quicker acting insulin all that stuff yeah, so uh, prior to 87, when the the newer insulin came out, the newer versus the pork and uh, beef, I was switched to that, but never any control. Um, and I was just living my life. I was in, actually in Florida at the time and uh, in Fort Liquordale. And so, you know, eating, doing whatever you want. I was overweight, out of shape, out of control. My doctor was kind of like... Uh, Cause I had to have a prescription for insulin. You could buy the syringes over the counter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so at that point, my doctor was ready to fire me as a diabetic and kind of said that nobody's going to take care of you in, in South Florida, unless you go see this person and say that you're taking control. That's kind of when I became a modern diabetic Okay, in 87, 87, so to speak. And then, um, got in shape, lost a bunch of weight. I was, I was way overweight. And actually, 91, I was my doctor's first patient on the insulin pump at that time. In 1991, four years after, four years after the doctor, I'm assuming, told you, look, 
you're close to being a lost cause in this system. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Okay. Well, you got to remember back in the sixties, the doctors estimated you had approximately 10 year lifespan in the seventies. And I remember this vividly, the doctor looking at me and saying, you'll never live in an old folks home. So, you know, it was kind of a, maybe a 30 year span. So in my mind, t- taking the, the cons- consideration, Scott, that my mind from a kid, I was never going to live past 30. So why do anything different? Right. Until my doctor in, in the eighties said, you know, dude, you're, you're going down. <laughs> so there's a shift in technology enough so that people didn't any longer believe that you were going to die by the time you were 30, except for Correct. you who had gone so hard after the idea that they were like, maybe you will. <laughs> well, I find a lot of my, my friends, you know, kind of my age-ish that were diabetic at that time. And I don't know why the age 30 wasn't a, a, a milestone or a argument of age, but pretty much everybody thought 30 was it. And then 30 came, I'm like, I'm still here. <laughs> Damn it. I got weight to lose. <laughs> yeah, so te- technology definitely came along. Um, and obviously, as I don't ever want to say it's a good time to be diagnosed type 1, but nowadays, it's a pretty good error to be diagnosed with type 1. Yeah, it's better than it's better than the day before, always, I, I feel like. I always think now's yeah. the best time, and one day you'll look back on this time and think, oh, I can't believe that's what we used to do, you know, if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. If you're lucky, you get to think that. Um, yeah. And by that, I mean, if we're lucky, the technology will continue to improve and become more affordable so that people can look back at this moment and think how barbaric a continuous glucose monitor and an insulin pump, you, you know, or whatever will happen at that point. <laughs> you know. Um, interesting. How did you lose the weight? Because I look, um, so, because as I know you, I'm sorry to cut you off, but as I know you, you just seem like an older fit gentleman to me. Like, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, and obviously in 87, I got my first meter in the hospital for a week, learned how to be in control. Doctors like you got to lose weight. And at that time, there wasn't a lot of type ones being very active. And I'm, I'm either don't do it or get way involved in it. Mm-hmm. So I was an auto mechanic at the time and my parts manager uh, was racing bicycles amateur. So he's like, man, why don't you get a bike and come along and, and uh, you know, get, lose some weight. Cause I couldn't jog anymore. I, I ran cross country and track in high school, but I'd been in a bad car accident. My knees wouldn't take it. So cycling seemed like the thing to be bought a bike and I lost 45 pounds my first month huh. and got heavily into amateur bicycle racing. Wait, you lost 45 pounds in a month riding a bicycle? Where'd you ride it to? Uh, it was in, yeah, Fort Lauderdale <laughs> area, the A1A, um, up and down, and ended up doing about 1,000 miles my first month. Wow. My first, I remember my first ride out, I could barely do seven miles without pulling over every mile and, oh, geez, and stretching <laughs> and and uh, cramping and, and uh, but yeah, so that, that's how I did that, um, and then just fell in love with cycling. See, I'm writing down a note here. You can't see what I'm writing, but it's buy a bike uh, because, <laughs> geez, that's amazing. Um, I, wow. Good for you. That, that's really yeah. something. Good for him to invite you along and, and try to help. You know what I mean? Like be a friend in that situation. Yeah, it was it was an interesting time. Again, there wasn't a lot of type ones at uh, being that active. So as my doctor's only that active of a diabetic and he kept saying my BMI was, you know, too low. You need to, you need to gain weight. And then 
I'm eating 2,500, 3,000 calories a day, burning it off. And I had like no body fat. Hmm. So, and then from there with the injections, I was on multiple injections, obviously at that time. And I just couldn't get up in here. I was getting up at like 2 a.m. injecting, going back to sleep, getting up at three, eating, going back to sleep. And at 530, I'd get up and depending on my blood sugar, I could either go work out with the uh, advanced groups. And this is when I got more heavily into cycling, I could then go work out with the advanced group or I had to back off because of my blood sugar. So the pump seemed like the thing to, to do at that time. Yeah. And it took me six months to convince them that a pump was a good idea. So you, you have an all or nothing like personality then. Yeah, man. Right? Yeah, I'm just, up or down. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just heard uh, Mike Tyson recently say that he didn't want to um, even work out because he didn't want to reignite his ego about competition. And, and I, I sort of didn't understand what he meant. And then he went on to say his wife told him he looked heavy. So he got on a treadmill and then he went 15 minutes and then he wanted to go 20. Then he wanted to go an hour. They wanted to go three hours because he's just very competitive and he was doing it. So if he was going to do it, he was going to do it all the way. And now I'm hearing he's going to fight Roy Jones Jr. in an exhibition match. So it it's, you know, it was either I'm going to get fat and that's it. Or if I start moving, I got to go punch somebody because I'm a boxer. Yeah. That was very either on very, or up, up or down. Yeah. <laughs> um. So how much of that impacts how you handle other things i'm wondering i I'm, I'm assuming a lot and you're on here today uh mainly to tell us about how you eat so what's your eating style now my eating style um i was eating any and everything um i do the cooking in the house i like to cook uh i teach barbecue um so i was eating any and everything and um with your methods got my a1c down and recently, a few months ago, switched to keto. Um, just seemed like the thing to do, not having the impact of the, uh, you know, the, the heavy glycemic index. Just for me personally, it seemed to work out pretty good. So okay. I'm, but I do about 29 carbs a day, um, and then a high protein, high fat is what I'm doing. How long have you been at that? Hey, why don't you set your summer free with the Omnipod Dash? You can enjoy your beach and pool days without having to disconnect your tubing or stopping your insulin. You can wear whatever you want without having to worry about where to clip your pump or how to carry your pen. There's no better time than the summer to try the Omnipod. Whether you've always wanted to try an insulin pump or simply want to cut out your tubing for the summer, you can try the Omnipod Dash now for free for 30 days. Are you hearing through what I'm saying there? If you're using another pump, but you wish you had Omnipod Dash for the summertime, you can try out the free, you get it. You're paying attention, right? Go find out if you're eligible. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Maybe that Omnipod Dash trial for 30 days will be right for you. And since you can now get your Omnipod through a pharmacy, there's no commitment or long-term contracts like there might be with other tubed pumps. I feel like I'm telling you to cheat on your insulin pump. It feels weird. Okay, so if you want to learn more, if you want to find out the full terms and conditions of what I've just talked about, all you have to do is go to omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Now, let's talk about the Dexcom CGM. 
The Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor is the weapon of choice against diabetes, in my opinion. Being able to see the speed and direction of your blood sugar or a loved one's blood sugar makes all of the difference in the world. No more guessing what your blood sugar is, what it's going to be, what this food does, what that food does. No more like, uh, oh, I'll just count my carbs and put in my insulin and then wait three hours and I'll test again. If I'm high, I'll correct. And if I'm low, uh, I'll eat some juice or something. No more. Now you can just see everything happen. You can, you're like the, you know, I know I'm old, but you know the Matrix where, uh, you know, Neo, you guys might know him as John Wick. He slows down time and the bullets like stop in midair. Like imagine being able to slow diabetes down so you can see it happening. So you can just step out of the way of a potential problem. Mm, that's how I use it. And uh, my daughter's A1C has been between 5'2 and 6'2 for seven years now, I believe. I've lost track. Our results are ours, of course, and yours may vary, but understanding what your blood sugar is doing is the first step to doing better. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. I forgot to tell you about all the other stuff. It's got alarms and alerts and you can... Share your data with other people, but you'll you'll figure it out at the website. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Hey, what the heck? Juiceboxpodcast.com. Give a little plug for myself. There's a little more music left. How about this? The Diabetes Pro Tip episodes are available starting at episode 210 in your podcast player, but you can also find them at diabetesprotip.com. All right, let's get back to Mike. We'll find out how long he's been doing this and much more. Um, since March, April, probably about May since May. Okay. So you're coming up on six months, maybe. Yeah. Tell me when you make a decision to try something like that, how do you figure out how to do it even? Oh, well, um, I did a lot of research first, checked with all my doctors and I'm also working with Jenny, um, uh, with integrated diabetes, uh, been a good help a lot of positive input and just researching it figuring out what's going to work um and why so that's kind of how i got into it uh so you check with, sense yeah you say no you check with your doctor and say look i'm going to eat like a high protein high fat diet is that okay with you like or at least be aware of it i guess so you know Correct. what to look for i see yeah so i was on obviously i was high cholesterol this that the other uh, I've actually off my cholesterol medicine now. Um, I get most of my carbs from like, for instance, broccolis, beans, mm-hmm. um, you know, low glycemic vegetables like that. So you had high cholesterol so much so that you were on a medication for it. And now that you're eating keto, you don't need that medication anymore. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. It's interesting. And I could get in, I could get into more of that if you want, but, uh, no, tell me about it, please. Cause what it made me think about was, um, when I, when I, when I speak to somebody and they're like, you know, we're getting low all the time and I look at their graph and I'm like, well, you need more basil. And they think that's not right. I said I was getting low. I must need less insulin. And so the, the, the thing they're seeing this low blood sugar makes them feel like, oh, I definitely need less insulin, except they don't recognize that because their basil is far too low they're overbolusing their meals. The meals are getting out of balance with the insulin and they're causing this crash later. It's just very causal, uh, an effect. And I'm, and that made me think of that. Like, you know, if I saw that my 
cholesterol was high, I might think to myself, well, I definitely have to eat less fat, right? Well, no, not necessarily. That's what so, I'm saying. But that's what I would yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. So tell yeah. me about it. Sure. Well, first of all, your theory of don't go high um, and you won't go low. Right. Uh, and by and I was eating massive carbs and I figured it out. But, you know, I'm doing 12, 14 unit for lunch type of a bolus. I'm thinking, man, all this insulin. And then you read about what is inflammatory in your arteries and this and that it is the artificial, the bleached flowers. It's the artificial, anything low fats, low, you know, that type of stuff. They have to add stuff in there to make it taste good. Mm -hmm. So all that stuff is inflammatory to your, and again, I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. I just right. want to preface that. But all the, what goes into your veins is the inflammation is what's inflammatory, which causes the arterial disease. So if you're eating, let's, for instance, uh, I do grass-fed beefs, free-range chickens. Um, I do the best pork I can find. I'm not doing heritage pork yet, but natural beef fat, your body was meant to process. Natural chicken fats, um, pork fats. Um, if you're eating uh, like margarines and stuff like that, that has all the artificial stuff that's inflammatory. So if you're taking the inflammatory stuff away from your diet, you you're you lower your risk for the cardiovascular disease. And I look at the French, they eat, you know, real butters, heavy creams, all the natural stuff, which was what your body was meant to process. Mm -hmm. It's like a grain fed cow. The molecular structure of the cow, the meat has changed and our body's not meant to process that. So if you get a grass fed cow, our body's meant to process that same thing with you know, natural vegetables, not, you know, genetically modified vegetables, our body's meant to process that. So, and I could feel the difference, um, just after, you know, several weeks of eating that way. Um, and I, I don't know who you are, but there's nothing better than eggs, fried, and bacon grease. <laughs> <laughs> eggs, fried. Uh, well, you go know, ahead. I'm sorry. Eggs. You made me think of something my dad used to do, but <laughs> yeah, fine. you know, and, and so, you know, using your methods and, for the bolus and bumping and nudging and eating a better meal is, you know, I, I've reached my goal in A1C. Um, and if you look at my, my chart, my line for the most part, yeah, I still have highs and still have a few lows, but mm -hmm. yeah, it looks like a flat line, you know, most the of guy's the guy's dead, which. What is your A1C <laughs> at the at the moment? I, my last A1C was 5.7. Um, and I was head trending that way just through, looking at Dexcom and those, but, and I'm usually pretty close. I finally got my one taken uh, several weeks ago and it was, it was 5.7 was my goal. Good for you. It's amazing. And I was prior to that, I was seven, two to nine. And my doctor was like, great, doing good. You know? Yeah. So you're seven, yeah. two to nine prior to finding the podcast. Yeah. And then consistently, and then you get to where with the podcast, with your podcast, I got down my best, on my graph was five seven, but I was averaging five nine. Okay, to six five nine to six five nine to six. And then the keto then, moved you more or not really? Correct, it did. It moved you down to five seven, uh, pretty pretty stable. Stably, excellent. Yeah, and you feel okay. better. I think more importantly, yeah, I feel a lot better. Um, you know, I've got a lot of ner nerve damage from prior. Just you know, you figure all those years as a kid, mm -hmm. um, no meters, no this, that, the other, but. Uh, definitely feel better. Um, I have hypoglycemic unawareness, so I'm trying to stay around the hundred, not the 70 to 80. I see. Uh, until I get my, my next service dog back and then I'll feel more comfortable staying down and then 
I'm shooting for, you know, below five. So that was my that point. That's the point where I was disconnected for a second, because if you have such a stable line, I was wondering why not that, by the way, none of this is a judgment. I was just thinking like, if you were that good with the insulin and eating keto, I would think you could be closer to a five than closer to a six. So I thought there must be a reason why you were doing that. And, and yeah. that's a very good reason. Yeah. I've uh, passed, well, past several years, the wheels have fallen off the bus here, but I uh, developed hypoglycemic awareness. And so I got a service dog and he was awesome. Would wake you up at night. Um, you know, they're not robots, but they, they can and do work if they're trained properly. So I was more comfortable, you know, being lower at that time. Well, I was still in the sevens at that time. Cause that's what the doctor said. Yeah, you're doing great. Yeah, Sounds fine. fine. <laughs> um, yeah, that 300, no problem. It's just an excursion. Yeah. yeah right. Um, <laughs> but anyways, so had the dog, he had to have his kidney replaced. So he got replaced and they're training another one now. So once, once I know the dog will wake me up at night, I'm more comfortable being at a lower range. Gotcha. Hey, your dog's like in a convalescent center somewhere. No, he got retired. He's living in a two-acre fenced-in yard up uh, up in Riverside, I think it is. Uh, nice. So he had to be adopted out because the medication he was on, uh, he was not alerting properly. He had a reflex dysenergy, which is a, a bladder issue, which was caused. Anyways, um, so because he wouldn't alert properly because of the medication, he would sleep through the night sometimes. So I see. he had to be, re- he, he had to be replaced. So he got retired. He's running around. He's happy. Good for him. That's excellent. Good for you too. And how long will it take them to train a new dog? Uh, they're training one right now. As a matter of fact, they trained, I ha- had another one that wasn't trained for me, but didn't work out. And where I work, he was just too afraid of the environment. Okay. So they're training one now. It should be anywhere from six months to a year. Wow. It's a so process. In the meantime, I process. set my clock to wake up every few hours and make sure that I'm in a, a good zone at night. <laughs> and, how, and mostly you are? Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. Gotcha. Hypoglycemic unawareness is, we never really talk about it, but since you're here, you, you could be 20 and not know it, right? Like Correct. you don't know yeah, be, until you're unconscious. Yep. Wow. No dizziness, no confusion. You're not talking oddly. Just not that you know of, I guess. Uh, my wife says occasionally she'll notice something. Hey, let's go test you. Yeah. Um, you know, cause sometimes the, the CGMs like backseat of the roller coaster, you know, it takes a few minutes to catch up. So right. if I'm in that dip and don't, don't know it, it's just, yeah, I'm, it happens. Fast. I'll be talking to you in, in 30 and hi. <laughs> now, did you, did you drag your wife into keto? Is she doing it with you? Yeah. So she's doing, since I'm the cook of the house, she eats whatever I put in front of her. <laughs> she has no real choice actually. <laughs> no. So she, she's also doing keto. She does, she runs marathons. Um, and she's actually noticed she has more energy with keto than not. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I'm certainly no expert on any of this, which is why I'm trying to talk to so many different people. My experience in my life would be that when I was in my twenties, I had gained a lot of weight and we did the Atkins diet, which I think basically is, you know, very, very low carb. Um, and I lost a lot of weight fairly quickly doing that. And I have to echo your sentiment that I felt, I mean, obviously I lost weight, so I'd feel better about that in general. But I do believe that there's something about processing grain and flour and all that stuff that your body really just, some people's bodies just struggle with. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, so I'm not at the point where I would, I don't mean restrictive 
in the way that you might take it. But I'm not at the point where I could do something that's as restrictive as keto, but I am really specific about what I eat, I guess. Like I really try hard to stay away from most of the things you're talking about um, in my day-to-day eating. My day-to-day eating is very kind of natural. And I agree with you, little things like I'd rather use butter than margarine. Um, You know, I try for there not to be preservatives and things, extra ingredients, I don't know what they are. I stay away from a lot of oils and processed food. But then at the same time, like the kids asked the other day, they were like, can you make uh, sugar cookies for us? And I was like, of course I can. So I whipped up some <laughs> sugar cookies and now I'm not sure if I made them for them or me. <laughs> because, <laughs> um, well, but you know, you so can, that's it really for me. You can still eat the cookies. I mean, it's, I don't find it hard, personally hard to maintain, you know, keto. You know, we, we don't, I don't like going out to restaurants anyways. And obviously we're don't go out because of COVID right now or, um, Corona, however you, like you said, you want to call it, exactly. but I don't find it hard to, to maintain. Um, cause I was never a sweets person anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, desserts and cookies were never a thing to me, even as a kid before type one. Um, I, I just don't find it hard to, there's so many recipes now and, and the early, I'm not saying anything against the early Atkins or whatever, but that was more of kind of a dirty keto from my understanding. How so? Um, well, it was more, you know, eat all the greasy cheeseburgers and bacon and just all that versus you need to add some like the broccoli you need to have some carbohydrates so you get some of the more nert you know nutrients the macros Mm -hmm. um and there's dirty keto now which there's dirty keto clean keto um and i'm I'm trying to do it where i am doing a cleaner keto and you know again we didn't have the cookies and the crap but i was a doritoholic or chipaholic if you want to be generic Mm -hmm. popcornaholic um and I just don't eat that stuff anymore because all the other ingredients that go with it. Yeah. So and there's me. I don't, I, if something comes in a bag, I don't eat it. <laughs> like that just seems to be my role. I there's, I've chosen aisles in the grocery store that just, I don't go in anymore. I'm like, I just don't, I don't go in that. That aisle's not for me. Now the problem is too, it's interesting for you is how old are you right now? 54. Okay. So you're 54. You're married. There's no children in the house, right? No, no, just other than me, my wife would say no. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I understand that. But like, I'm 49. Actually, I think I'm 49. The other day, I was confused about how old I am. I'm not quite 50, <laughs> but I really don't know how old I am. I guess we could figure it out, but I'm not going to bother. You're there. I'm right around that space. And But I still have two kids in the house, off and on two kids, one kid for sure. Um, my wife, who's not interested in eating a, a, sp- a specific way or not a way. And so I am a little in the middle of balancing everyone's desires around food, which is interesting. But I notice for myself, as I get older, food becomes more and more the way I wanted it to be when I was younger. Like in my heart, if we could just, if the Jetsons pill would just pop out on the table (laughs) and I could eat it and stay healthy and alive, I love cooking, but I think I would opt for that more often than not because I'm a slippery slope eater for sure. Like I don't. But isn't have, that more Soylent Green? I don't know. Maybe I'm all right with that <laughs> because I'm not a like I'm not a like oh sugar cookie. I'll have one of those. I'm like oh sugar cookie. I just won't eat today, and I'll have five sugar cookies today instead. Like I'll make sugar cookies my whole day, and I don't meaningfully understand that about myself. But I can't eat chips, Doritos, like that stuff. I would be like sick and back. Like I can make popcorn and like have a handful of it. But then I'm done. Like I couldn't eat a bowl of it. It's if I it's the salt and butter 
if it's going to get me. Yeah. If that makes, you know, sense and sugar, I guess, too, in there. Um, but otherwise, I put sugar in nothing. And I am yeah. one of those people that if, if everyone around me stopped eating that way, I don't think I ever would again. But that it's here, it gets me. It's um, that's why we couldn't keep some of the stuff in the house. Like I couldn't keep chips in the house because if I knew it was there, you know, you have one, I'd eat the whole bag. Right. Um, same, same thing with popcorn. I'd get up at three in the morning. It's like popcorn was like crack cocaine for me. If right. any, all of you people out there that know me, you'll know who I am. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I have no control over willpower. That. Yeah. Yeah. None. Is it, is it the, um, sometimes I think it's the texture more than the food. I, I don't know if that makes sense or not. Like I like the way cookies feel in my mouth. I don't like the way string beans feel in my mouth. I don't know what psychological <laughs> issue I have around that. Um, but I am tactile to begin with. Like when I go shopping I and like in a clothing store, I touch everything. Yep. Like I want to touch the, like I, I, it's part of my ability to like understand it. There are things I don't like the way they feel in my mouth. And, you know, I, I don't know another way to put that. But, but so to the keto, um, what are some examples of foods you, now you and I have something in common um, uh, you obviously were doing it much longer than I was, but at the beginning of COVID, I decided I was going to learn how to smoke, um, meat. And, and I, I started right around the time COVID started. It was hard to get a hold of a grill to be perfectly honest around that. It's hard to buy anything right now, actually, but, um, yeah. I got it and I've spent the last like five or six months. Like I can make ribs now terrifically even little things like I like to have turkey in the house to slice up. So instead of buying like lunch meat, I'll go buy turkey breasts and just smoke them. And then, and I slice at them as I need them. That, that I've really enjoyed actually learning how to do all that. I've learned how to make pizza on the grill um, from like scratch, like from like scratch, scratch. But uh, you helped me in the beginning. Cause I didn't know, um, I didn't know a lot about it. And I, I ended up asking you a lot of questions, but yeah, is I that where that. most of your food comes from? Uh, well, yeah, a lot of it does. Um, cause anything you could do in the oven, you can do in the smoker. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the, they go from, depending on your brand of smoker, they'll go from, you know, 150 to 600. So, uh, when you get the higher temperatures, it's like that wood fired, uh, pizza oven flavor. So obviously I don't do pizzas anymore. I used to do a same thing, make my own dough, ton of pizzas. We do uh, a lot of focaccias, um, prior, um, but now doing keto. Um, I smoke, got a great recipe for smoked meatballs. So we'll, one of the, one of the dishes is, um, some boiled or, or not boiled, but pan fried, kind of get the moisture out, tomatoes, uh, some spinach, some cheeses and the smoked meatballs. Instead of cooking the meatballs in the oven, I smoke them and they're just, they're awesome. Uh, I smoke a lot of my vegetables, um, that we eat, uh, you know, do as a matter of fact, yesterday I did, uh, um, the barbecue store I teach with just started, uh, import or not importing, but they started selling, um, Australian Wagyu. And, uh, that is just a bomb. So I did a, a Wagyu tri-tip yesterday for dinner. That was amazing. Hmm. Um, a couple of days prior to that, uh, pulled pork, do a lot of ribs, um, hamburgers on the, on the smoker. Do you ever do more exotic animals like elk or venison or stuff like that? Do you get involved in that at all? I've gotten a little bit. One of my coworkers is a big hunter um, and he'll bring stuff in and he'll give me a package or whatever. And he'll say, let's, I'll, I'll be up for lunch tomorrow at whatever time. So I got a smoker at work too. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So but that makes sense because it, it is something you walk away from for a long periods of time. So you can't get a lot of other things done while it's happening. It's just a little bit of pre-planning is how I find yeah. it. Yeah. You know. Well, we do we do low and slow and hot and fast. Depends on what you're cooking. So right. That's great. You know, like cool. that that tri tip last night took me an hour and a half. Um, yeah. You know, I did that that at three eighty. Well. Does everybody and everybody doesn't need this kind of time to eat keto, right? Like there's ways to do it. No, or, no, no, no. You can, you can whip stuff up fast. Like I said, uh, that's kind of the, the, so most people eat, I don't know, 15, 20 different items is kind of what seems to be the average people's diet. So we repeat a lot of our meals throughout the week, be it salmon, be it the meatballs with the spinach and tomatoes, be it, you know, z- uh, uh, the spaghetti, you know, the z- zucchini spaghetti. So a lot of the dishes we do is kind of the same thing. And I've always been a 20 minute or under kind of meal guy, for the average. Mm-hmm. So something you could come home and make quick, uh, but good and healthy. So right. I find in keto, it's easy. There's a lot of different um, apps you can get. Uh, one of the sp- specific ones I has will will suggest menus. You put in your 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 body weight, your year of birth, your height, what you want to do. You want to maintain, lose, gain, and mm. it'll suggest meals and recipes for you. So it's 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 as hard as you want, or as easy as you want. Okay, that's uh, and that's in that's in any diet, be it high carb, low carb, yeah, paleo. It's funny as you're talking, and I realize that everything is everything's branded in the world today. Like you could sit here and you're like high carb, low carb, keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian. Like, you know, everyone's branded their way of eating, but in the end you're eating more meat with vegetables and no grains. Is that correct? That's kind of no pro. You don't eat processed food. That's pretty much it. Right. Yeah. No problem. I I eliminated all processed foods. Matter of fact, we went through all our cabinets and we came up with like three boxes of stuff that we donated to the church of everything that we just don't eat anymore. All the processed, the carbs, the pastas, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. I found myself, I got away from my idea earlier, but I wanted to finish by saying that I find that as I get older, I don't see eating as entertainment anymore. Maybe Um, the way I did when I was younger. I don't know why that is. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not wisdom, certainly, because you could bring a couple of those cookies in here right now. And I'd be like, I'm going to eat those. And I wouldn't even <laughs> I wouldn't even need to want them. But when but when I'm very careful about my I guess I do eat on an intermittent schedule. And when I'm specific about that, you know, say you start start off not eating that way. And then I moved into an intermittent fasting schedule. So I went from like. 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. And I would just eat in that space. And for the first month, I was like, I'm just going to test the idea of intermittent. I'm not going to limit any. I'm just going to eat the way I always eat right in here. And I lost like 15 pounds doing that and generally did feel better. Um, At some point, I found myself in the middle of the baseball season for my son getting home a little later. And I was like, well, I didn't eat dinner yet. And it's 730. I'll just eat. And then I wouldn't get done eating until 815. And then that was that was the slippery slope, right? Like then you're just sort of like, oh well, it's you know it's ten thirty. I'm hungry. It's you know, eleven's almost coming. And then, but it's very specific about that schedule and how your body deals with having food or not having food with you know insulin levels and energy and a lot of other things. And as soon as you get outside of those hours, I could eat anything inside of those hours and lose weight. But as soon as I opened those hours up a little more, 
I put the weight back on again. It started to come yeah. back. It was is really really interesting. Um, I I don't know. I don't think there's a right answer for anybody. I think that what works works. And you know, if you're listening yeah. to if you're listening to you and going, look, Mike. All right, but I want some bread. You know, like <laughs> you still could not eat a bag of Doritos. You know what I mean? Like there's reasonable. I don't crave the stuff anymore. I don't crave because I used to eat that fast food. It was just easy burger fries. Um, come home, you know, I made all my own breads, all this stuff, and you know, you eat a loaf of bread in two days because it was good. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> because you're not having those spikes in, in insulin and spikes and you know all that sugar and salt and things that come with that, I I don't crave anything anymore. It's just and I used to like see a, a fast food commercial. And I'd literally, my wife would say, I literally had to go get the keys, get in the car and go get whatever they were advertising. Yeah, um, Pavlov's it dog. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it really was. And yeah. I did. Um, and I, since, and I craved that. I thought I craved it for the longest times. And I had a cheat meal. We have a uh, local fast food, uh, mostly Southern California, Texas had these little mini tacos. And I just used to love those mm. or tiny tacos. And, uh, so I finally went in one day. I'd been a couple months into keto and I, I had it for lunch and I shot up to 300 and I felt like crap. And I'm like, never again. And I, I just don't crave that stuff. Good for you. Well, I think yep. in the end, you're not saying anything crazy. You're saying there are natural things that were on the earth long before someone figured out what high fructose corn syrup is. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and people ate those things for a long time. So our bodies have developed and grown to be good at that stuff. And you know what, by the way, I have no idea. I'm not a scientist, nor am I a, um, a person who can see the future. But there's part of me that thinks that one day we all might just weigh 500 pounds and be really good at digesting high fructose corn syrup. I, like, I don't know that that's not that that can't happen, but I can I can definitely say I don't want that to happen to me. You, you know, <laughs> so um, I'm with you, not as. Where you lose me is vegetables. I just, I really dislike vegetables. I, it's probably my parents' fault because they used to yell at me about eating them. And I think they really made me hate them. Like, I, I've, well, I feel a defiance about them. It depends on the vegetables. And again, we don't eat tons of them. but it, And it's like the green stuff, the the broccolis the, and cauliflower is not green, mm. unless it shouldn't be green. Um, but if, and I hated Brussels sprouts and asparagus until you cooked them on the smoker. Turn your smoker on about like 300. Um, little you know either olive oil and whatever barbecue rub you want throw them on the smoker for a little bit i love asparagus and brussels sprouts now really and yeah all right mike well, i'll tell you what you send me the uh you send me a, a a recipe for brussels sprouts and asparagus on a smoker i will try it and i'll include it in this episode um, because <laughs> I, I will if you can make me eat a brussels sprout you're a magician <laughs> oh, dude! I seriously, man. I and I tried them over the years because your taste changed. I think, well, let me try it. Let me try it. Right. Up until several months ago, you could not pay me to eat Brussels sprouts mm -hmm. or asparagus. No kidding. And now it's like part of one of our staples. Yeah. Well, that I would love to know about that because I don't think I have. I'm, I'm I cook them for my family still. Like everybody else here eats asparagus and Brussels sprouts as two examples. Like I make a lot of vegetables. I just make them and then I don't touch them afterwards, which is also <laughs> makes it, by the way, harder as the cook to make because I don't really know what I'm shooting for and texture and, and, and things like that, you know? Well, that's, that's another neat thing with like flash, flat, like tongue cut, flash frozen vegetables. Um, so if you get like those steamer bags of broccoli that mm -hmm. you throw in the microwave for 10 minutes, that's probably better than buying the fresh stuff at the grocery store and either oversteaming it 
it's simple. It's easy. You divide it up, um, put your favorite barbecue rub on it and you know, it makes it even gooder and a little bit of butter. Um, you're saying so, butter and salt will cover a lot of, uh, what broccoli is. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> no, no, not at all. I, I was, you know, not, I didn't, I wasn't implying that, but you know, if you want to flavor it, but it's, it, some of that stuff is my point is it's so easy to make nowadays. Mm-hmm. Cause you don't have to have, you know, go to the store, get all the fresh vegetables. You got to eat them within a few days. They start going back, get the flat flash frozen tongue twister, flash frozen, um, vegetables. And they're as healthy as eating them, you know, getting them fresh. Hmm. And it's, it's not, that was my point. It's not hard to eat good. Yeah. Well, I, I, because I think that that ends up being one of the arguments sometimes about any diet structure is that people are like, oh, it's so expensive to do, you know, because you're talking about meat, meat's more expensive. Um, is there a way to eat keto? I guess not, because that would be dirty, right? If I was doing it with lesser meats, I guess, or. Well, it, you know, you want to get the best you can afford. Um, and, you know, grass fed beef's obviously better, a little bit more. It's not that much more. If you go to a restaurant and you're going to spend 30 bucks a pop. If you go out to a fast food joint, it's almost $20 for two people anymore. Mm-hmm. So if you spend, let's say, six bucks on a pound of grass-fed beef that's going to feed the two of you, there's three bucks a person for better meat than you would get if you went to the restaurant or the fast food place right? or just spent a dollar less and got the, you know, the regular grain fed. So yeah. it's really not expensive. It's kind of you know, if you watch what you're doing and uh, we don't ever get, I don't look for sales. I don't do coupon shopping. I'm just, I don't want to say I don't have the time for it, but I just, I don't have the, I don't have the patience for it. (laughs) I I always, every time the cashier says, do you have any coupons? I said, no, I'm against saving money. Thank you. Uh, Because I know that's how it feels to them, but I'm just, I don't have the mind for it. Like you could cut out a coupon and leave it on the countertop and I'll just, I won't remember it. I, I don't know why that is exactly. Um, okay. Well, what 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 do you think people should know about keto eating that they don't know? Like what's what's not in the you know out in the world about it? Things you learned or or things you think they should know? Gosh. Well, I always remembered from the prior, and even my mom. I mean, my mom's still stuck in the seventies for diabetes education and how things work, and it's like no. And when the the Atkins, and I'm not talking bad about it. I think it's a it's another alternative for people. But the original um, is your body was going into ketoacidosis at that time, which was thought to be the same as uh, diabetic ketoacidosis, which is bad. What you're actually doing is you're going to a keto a ketogenesis, um, so your body's learning to burn the fat, and that's the one thing that my wife said was gives her more energy. Before when she would run, it would take her four or five miles to warm up. Now she's warmed up in the first mile because you're not you're not accessing all those glucose sources right away to try to deplete. You're burning, you're burning, you're burning fat. Mm-hmm. So that's why you have the higher fat, but you need good fat. Um, the 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 grass fed, if you can, butters or regular butter, um, the fat from the the pork, the beef, even beef tallow you can use in cooking. So you're you're putting clean fats in your 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 body that your body was meant to burn it's the same thing when they the the whole cholesterol thing back when you know margarine came about and so they everybody go low fat low this 
and they were still having all this coronary artery disease and heart attacks. Well, it was from all the inflammation that you were getting from all the non-fat, low-fat, all the additives. Yeah. So by by eating, drinking whole milk, using whole creams, using stuff your body was meant to process, your body's going to run cleaner. And I've noticed my blood pressure's lower. Like I said, I got off my my cholesterol medication. And again, consult your physicians, your doctors. Yeah. You know, don't just stop but, taking your medication. <laughs> no, but right. it it you know it it got it lowered just because I'm not having all that stuff. So, um. You know, I'm, I, I like it. And you can do this. There's, there's keto without uh, eating meat. You know, people who don't, you know, who are vegans or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. you can still get your proteins from your, your nuts, your legumes and what have you. But, you know, it's, it's, it's been good for us. It's not difficult. Um, you're not, not eating food you enjoy. I'm not eating, you know, crap or just stuffing myself with, you know, a stick of butter in my coffee every day. Right. Um, so, you know, there's, you know, look into it. There's, there's keto for diabetics and, um, there's a lot of good information and there's a lot of bad information out there. So that's, that's why I consulted, you know, like all my doctors and again, Jenny, she's a, a, a dietitian, um, and, you know, did my research, do, I would say with anybody, any diet is do your due diligence, do your research. Don't just listen to one source Yeah, and find what works for you. I think too, I mean, about finding information, like everyone's got their, you know, the, everyone's got the castle they're defending, you know, for the most part. And because I don't eat any specific way, I thought maybe I'm a good person to talk to about how other people eat. Cause I really don't, I don't have a, you know, I don't have a horse in the, in the race. I don't care one way or the other, you know, just say what you're going to say. <laughs> But I think, too, you got to be careful about people who are making money off of things. So if, you know, right. it's, it's hey, there's this keto lifestyle and for just $50 a month, we'll t- like there you're there you're falling into a trap. Um, I, I have yeah. to admit, I agree with you about the about the fats and about natural foods as well. Like I would just never eat margarine. But my wife's like, you know, she's like, this is what I have to do because has less fat. And I'm like, I really think you're wrong. You, you know, but there's, I can't get through to her and she, she, and maybe I'm wrong, you know, so well, it's, it's all processed under high heat. And it's like, like, you know, the, the vegetable oils and stuff, it's all processed with high heat. So it's actually not good for you. Yeah. It's inflammatory. So, you know, it, it's not for everybody. And then right. there's, there's the other side of it that, you know, if you want to eat a certain way and you want to have pizza and this, that, the other, you can figure it out and that works for you. You know, more power to you. Oh, yeah. I, I I genuinely imagine people understand that are listening. But in case someone's coming from the outside, like I'm not doing these episodes because I'm trying to change anybody's mind. I just, you know, I think everybody, if we're going to understand how to use insulin, it should be everybody Correct. should understand how to use it. Not just people who eat, you know, whatever a classic meal is. I mean, if somebody eats keto, they should know how to use insulin just the same as if they don't. So I'm just yeah, trying to pump information yeah. into the podcast. I- I've um, cut my insulin way in half. My basal rates are obviously down, mm-hmm. um, w- way down. And I've noticed, which it didn't take me long to learn, but I had to learn the different proteins. For instance, um, like the the beef, the, the the hamburgers or whatever, that kind of fats versus the pulp, the, the pork fats. I mean, they kind of hit me differently. Okay. So I, I have a different approach to is, you know, obviously I don't bolus before I eat. I bolus after. and then depending beef, pork or whatever, I might do an extended, um, I, I'm using loop. So I'll do a, a, 
an override, maybe a 30% override for three or four hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I found that that's worked pretty good for me. And I'm, I'm typically pretty on, you know, the other day I had a pretty bad day. I, you know, got up higher than I wanted to, but you know, yeah, the stresses I, of the world also add to that. Yeah, no kidding. I, I think it's, it's so important for people to hear that in any context. I mean, you're eating almost no carbs and your blood sugar is going up from protein um, and the fat. It's, it's so, I mean, there's a pro tip episode about it. And I mean, we've tried our hardest to like make sure people understand that it's not just some magical diabetes rise that happens, you, you know, <laughs> um, but you know, that protein gets broken down and it gets stored as glucose. So yeah, not, you know not hard to understand i guess if you if you put it simply enough but it happens later so yep, you yep. can't you can't pre-bolus and eat keto because that insulin will crush you before that process of the breaking down of the protein ever happened correct yeah, yeah i was i was pre-bolus and maybe up to an hour before so i had for the most part for the last i don't know how many years i've had a turkey sandwich for breakfast every every morning uh one i know how it hits me two i really enjoyed it mm-hmm. and i would Pre-bowls almost up to an hour before eating that and kind of hit that right. Um, and with keto for breakfast, um, I'm depending on where I'm at, uh, I might be a half hour to an hour after before I bolus for the proteins and the fat. Do you find your um, your kidneys and, and just the, the system of disposing of uh, liquid waste is an easier process without carbs? Um, what do you mean? I don't know. I just find that if I... If I feel like my, if I feel like my health is tumbling in the wrong direction, I'll go to a very low carb thing for a couple of days, and the first thing I find happens is that the excess water weight in me just goes away. Like, re- are you retaining less water now? No. So I drink um, a ton of water. So, but prior to uh, Corona or COVID, COVID. let's call I, it COVID. I, go ahead. We'll do COVID. <laughs> I'd keep a case of water in my truck or car or Jeep, whatever I was driving the day. And anywhere I went, even if it was to the gas station a block away, I'd drink a bottle of water. Okay. Um, so I was drinking, you know, 10, 12, 15 bottles of water a day. Um, since I'm not driving, uh, I drink a 12 pack minimum of sparkling water, which is basically nothing in it. So I'm always flushing anyways. Okay. So you're in a I, constant I, process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've noticed I probably have a little bit more water retention um, since I'm not doing as much, like I'm not working as hard right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I know that's just water. Okay. Um, and But I'm still constantly flushing. So I haven't noticed the difference in that. Okay. It's, uh, I'm just wondering. Um, huh. But you do need your fiber. I will say that. <laughs> hey, listen, I am not embarrassed at all. Let me just say something right here and right now. What I use is an old classic Metamucil. Still has the sugar in it. I don't want any of that fancy sugar-free Metamucil. Two <laughs> teaspoons into a few ounces of water. Everything is perfect forever. And why do I have to do that? Because I don't eat any goddamn vegetables. <laughs> so I don't. <laughs> well, I noticed that's one thing I noticed. Um, I am using a psyllium husk because um, it doesn't have any of the sugars or additives. So mm-hmm. even with the vegetables I'm eating, I'm not eating a ton. But and I wasn't eating a lot of vegetables prior. I'm doing that better now, but so I'll do a teaspoon of that. And I find that, uh, that worked out quite well. I have to be honest with you. I joke about it because I'm older, but I wish someone would have found me when I was 20 years old and said, Hey, take a fiber supplement. I really do wish somebody (laughs) would have said that to me. I think it would have changed my life. (laughs) Uh, 
Yeah, it can't hurt. Just have a little, have have enough supplements, have enough in you that what your body needs is available to it, and and yeah. that that's all. Do you take any supplements at all? Like I take a I take a zinc and a D. Um, I take a fish oil um, and a vitamin B every day. Yeah. Do you do anything? I like started that? taking a, just a men's forty plus, just kind of a. I mean, I get a lot of. I never got the keto flu. I've always um, had enough sodium and minerals from all the rubs and barbecue stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just took that on a recommendation. Um, but other than that, prior to that, I've never taken supplements. I, I didn't understand what you just said. Keto flu. Yeah. So when you start keto, sometimes people say they get a headache. Um, and, uh, is because if you're most processed foods, all have a ton of sodium, you go to the fast food sodium, you go to the restaurant sodium, so your minerals go down when you start keto if you're not keeping that up. Okay. So, uh, because a lot of people don't salt heavy, so if you're when you go to keto, your your electrolytes get lower. Mm-hmm. So you need to pay attention to that. And one of the uh, signs of that is they call it keto flu. You get a little bit of a headache. You're foggy. I guess so you also, can take some chicken broth and kind of get over that to level that. I guess also you're getting away from sugar possibly too right if you're making like a real firm switch like bang i'm going from this to that yeah well the breads i used to make only had three teaspoons for the loaf in it anyways um but yeah there's sugar and french fries that you get at the fast food and there's you know sugar and salt makes everything taste better so yeah you're getting away from that but it's mostly the the electrolytes the salts okay have you stumbled during this process at all a loaf of french bread got to you or something like that or yeah. So we had, it wasn't, I, I'm not blaming my wife for that monthly, but we did have a pizza the other day yeah. and it was horrible. And I felt like I'm so glad I had it. <laughs> so you ate the pizza and your body just rejected the idea of the pizza. I used to be able to eat half of a, uh, if not more of a pizza, we'd, we'd go to the, the, one of the local places that's national chain and, and it was deep dish. It was great. And, um, we, I could easily eat half of it and some of the cheesy breads. And mm. I had two pieces and I felt like I ate a cow. Yeah. Just the, <laughs> just your your body was like, what, why, why are you doing this? <laughs> what did you, and I was like, you know, 280 all night. I was like, I kept just bolus, 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 200% override. It was, I, I, <laughs> it was Couldn't not do good. About it. I, so when I make mine, I make a nice, like it's a Neapolitan. It's a very thin crust. Um, and you know sparsely with cheese and just some sauce and maybe i'll put like you know sausage or something like that on it um but they're also like 12 inch pizzas and i could probably eat like i guess if i pushed myself i could eat a whole 12 inch pizza but i don't usually and then i don't make it again for five six weeks and then it just pops up on a sunday like sometimes i just want to get up in the morning and cook all day and not think about anything and and well, yeah, when we were normally, when I was making pizzas, I'd do, so you do a typical dough ball. I'd cut it in fourths. I'd make my own for myself and then whatever my trophy wife wanted. And we do pestos. I do barbecue sauces. We do, you know, all that stuff, you know, pretty thin crust. And yeah. that's the stuff when I was making them. How do you handle barbecue sauce when you're like, do you use any sauces when you smoke or you just mostly dry rub everything? I'm pretty much dry rub. I've, I've never been a fan of barbecue sauce. Um, just because meat has to stand on its own. Um, but for the pizzas I, we'd use a little thin, thin barbecue sauce. Mm-hmm. One of the things we used to do at the, where I teach, uh, barbecue at the barbecue store every month, we'd have a free for all barbecue come down and I'd make, you know, 
50, 60, 70 pizzas. And we'd use the different sauces that he sold in the store to show what you could do with it. Yeah. And uh, you're using a tablespoon maybe on a pizza. So it's not a lot. It does, doesn't hit you too hard. Right. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I have to say that the moment I learned that pizza crust had to be cooked hot and fast changed. I, I you yeah. know, I, I, I make too much and my neighbors can kind of smell it happening. So you can <laughs> see them there in the backyard and they're kind of like, is he going to offer me a pizza? You, you know? And, um, and I'll, I'll kind of pass them out a little bit. My one neighbor's like, this is the best pizza in town. And, yeah. and I was like, well, it's just, you know, I just put a little more effort into the dough. And, and, and by the way, I feel like because I cold ferment the dough and it takes days for it to come together, I actually feel like my body processes it better than, yeah. than if I would have made it the other way. I, I can't imagine that I could ever completely – I should say that I think I believe and I agree that flour, processed white flour, is not something your body's meant to deal with. I I, I, I believe that. And at the same time, I don't know what's going to have to happen to me for me to not have pizza again. I'll send you a recipe for a dough. It uses Parmesan cheese, eggs, and such – and if you t- if you can tell me that it doesn't taste like real pizza dough or if not better than some of them, really, I'd be surprised. Yeah, we did we did several different doughs, and that one restaurant that we the national chain that we would get them from, I love that flavor, and it is really close to their cheesy bread flavor. Hmm. Um, and then some of my prior to that doughs, I'd use double lot flour, um, and it was just some of the best dough. Yeah, no, I, I, I there's definitely ways to make good food better. Um, and it, it, but it, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of, you know, time. I, I think that's when I said earlier, like, sometimes I just want to, like when I'm looking for a day off on a Sunday, I sometimes choose cooking something that takes a lot of time because nobody can argue with that. Nobody can look at you and go, Hey, go do this now too. You're like, Oh, I can't. Sorry. This is how long it takes to make the pulled pork. And you, you know, so like, so, yep. um, and by the way, not, not to go down the, the rabbit hole, but I'd made pulled pork in crock pots before in my life, and I thought they were good. And smoking a pulled pork is a is magical. It just it's it's and I and I lean towards you. Um, I I make the meat in more of a, I guess would be considered more of a Texas style, which is just dry rubs and yep. and nothing really wet on them. Um, I do put a little bit of a thin sauce on the on the ribs, but um, but I like I like that style of of, of cooking meat. Yeah, we do competition ribs. We we sauce them a bit for mm-hmm. that kind of turning, which is a different rib than you'd normally have that you'd cook for your your friends and neighbors. But that's pretty much the only time where you really use sauces and honeys and right. Yeah, that's see, that's too much. Up. The other thing about me is I eat like a little girl. Like, and I'm not kidding. Like, <laughs> I I have a little bit of food, which I'm I, I say to people all the time. Like, I'm the fattest guy who doesn't eat that you've ever met in your life because you know I'll make these three racks of ribs. There's only four people in the house. And I take four or five little ribs off and I'm done. I'm like, oh, they were really good. And and they're like, have more. I'm like, ah, I'm kind of full. You know, like I fill up <laughs> easily. It's fa- it's fascinating how quickly I get full. Um, yep. I, I Actually, I'm insulting little girls who I'm sure could pretty much out eat me. No problem. <laughs> I, I don't know how it is. I don't know. I, I don't know how it is. I eat exactly. But uh, I get full quickly. And then it's funny when with empty calories, I don't get full. Like with the cookies, I could eat them like mass wise. I could eat way more cookies than I could eat beef. 
for some reason. Well, it's because your body keeps spiking the insulin, which then makes you hungry again as it's coming down. Yeah. No, it's I. Just, it's just a. It's just an effect, it's like the Chinese food effect. Yeah, I believe you, and I and I know it's right, and I've heard enough people talk about it, and I've seen it happen enough in my life. There are some foods that just turn your brain and your body into uh, a garbage disposal for more of that. It just makes you want it in a way that is. Um, I mean, they say right, <laughs> sugar sugar is more addictive than than some drugs. They say it is. Yeah, so can be. All right, what have we not put in this episode that belongs in here? Anything? Um, gosh, you have notes, Mike. I, think, well, I had a couple points. I just uh, was want to make sure we we hit or talked about. I appreciate um, that. Yeah, so I kind of want to go back to from when I was first diagnosed to then when I got in control in the eighties to kind of now. Um, is education diabetic edu- diabetes education as far as uh, eating? Your podcast is, I think, does the most justice to the world. Cause there's just not enough education out there. Um, and what you do, the pro tips, the ask Scott and Jenny, which, you know, if you're in the hospital, you get your five or 10 minutes education, you leave and nobody thinks to go back and nobody really tells you to go back, which is a disservice to type ones. Cause as, as things change, as technology changes. Um, so my first training was in the seventies, which wasn't my training it was my parents. My second training was when the eighties and that was kind of it. Then you figure it out. My third training was, uh, education, which I mean by training was your podcast. Um, and then I continued that with Jenny, which you, you have to relearn things or talk about things, which, um, like I said, my doctor at 20 years just told me I was doing great. Never told me, you know, maybe you should go back and get some more education on diet or control or how to come from between seven and nine down to a respectable, like I said, I got a lot of, you know, neurological damage and neuropathy and, you know, education is key. Yeah. I, 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 or, or somebody just say to you, Hey, by the way, you know, protein could turn into sugar and sugar needs insulin. You, You know, like any of those things could be told to you and, and, and genuinely aren't. And, and I think I, at this point, I'm at peace now with why it happens that way. I just don't, I mean, listen, it's gonna, I'll sound pompous for a half a second, but <laughs> I, I'm really good at explaining diabetes to people. And so I've tried in my mind to wonder if I was a doctor in that situation, how would I get this across to people? And I, the best I can come up with is I would send them to the podcast. I can't, yeah. I, it's too much. And it's, you can't just, we're not machines. You can't just download that much information at one time and and have it make sense the next time you need it. I think it's something about the conversational nature of this that's part of why it, it, it sticks to you. It is. And and after listening to the podcast and working with Jenny and again, my doctor 20 years, it never said to do better. Um, but I think they have a they have a guideline that they have to go between, okay, keep people around seven and, you know, and now we have CGMs and such. Um, How much damage could have I avoided, you know, 15 years ago when I got my first or uh, Dexcom seven plus, you know, just, just with that technology Mm -hmm. might have, might have I avoided, but I think again, most of my damage is from early on, but you know, I think the doctors have a a guideline they have to go to. Um, And I think they could gently, refer you further to the the podcast to if you want a little more fine tuning 
this will work because there's not a lot of, I don't want to say there's not great diabetic educators out there, Sure, there but are. they also have guide. Yeah, there are, but they yeah. also have guidelines that they need to follow, which is what the doctor tells them. Right. Yeah. And there's no point when you can say to somebody like, Oh, that happened. All you really got to do is this, like the hacks and the, and the little yeah. things that you would only know by doing it every day. No one's either going to think to tell it to you, or they're going to be afraid you're going to misunderstand it. And so there's that piece of it too, is that nobody really oh, exactly. just wants to say it out loud, you, you know, which is fascinating. 10% of type ones that are taking care of themselves. The rest of them just, you know, I know my, I got some friends that are just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a zealot, you yeah, know, for but, wanting to talk to other type ones and hang out. But, you know, I, I don't think that's true, but you know, it is what it is. It, it I don't think there's a way to understand and then to put it into practice, if you don't immerse yourself in it a little bit. And, yep. you know, I, I, I heard from somebody recently and I, you know, I, I took some time to talk to this person on the phone. At the end, I said, OK, so here are these episodes I want you to listen to. And then you can contact me back and ask me any questions you have. And she said, I don't have time to listen to that. <laughs> oh, and, I, and I don't think she meant it that way. I think she meant I don't have time. Like, I think I meant she I, I want to make sure I'm like saying it correctly. She couldn't imagine giving time away to this thing because diabetes is such a like a hellfire in, in her life. So what I said was, look, I don't think this is going to be cliched, but you don't not have time like you have to make time for this because yeah. look at all the time you're giving away to fighting low blood sugars and worrying about spikes. I was like, imagine not having to do that anymore. So find 20 hours, listen to those episodes. I was like, you can put them in your ears and listen while you're doing anything. Like you don't have to be sitting, taking notes and then yeah. you'll save all that time and your health. Yeah. I've turned everybody I can from the top of the mountain. It's like, look, you got to listen to this podcast. Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Um, and, you know, the ones that do, it's like, hey, thanks, man. It's like, because it's, it's a whole nother way of looking at it. Just, just think about it. just the bumping and nudging that I started gently, just being, as you call it, bold with insulin. I was terrified of insulin. I'm hypoglycemic. Right, right. You know, unaware. Just, just doing that, it's like, wow, what a huge impact. And nobody told me that before. Yeah. My doctor, 20 years, never said, hey, let's, you know, it just <laughs> seemed like such common sense to me. Like, even when I first said it out loud, I thought, this is a waste of people's time. Who would look at a 160 blood sugar and not do anything about it? Me? You, you and I everybody my else, Mike. At, yeah. My high alarm was 350 because I didn't want to get woken up at night. <laughs> yeah. My get, high alarm now is 120. You get woken up when the morgue comes to pick you up. <laughs> like, my doctor said that was fine. Yeah. You don't want to, if you want to sleep, that's okay to do that. Right. No, gosh darn it. <laughs> leave, leave it high so you can sleep. I, yeah. I mean, that. I think everybody gets those words spoken to them. And, and I say, you know, there's a world where it can stay lower and stable and you can still sleep. It's yeah. just understanding how the insulin works. And if you want to eat keto and do it, you can. And if you want to have bread and do it, you can, you just have to understand how it works. There's different yeah. caveats to different diets, but. And I figured it's, I figured it out prior keto just by the bump and nudge. And I went from 350 to 300 and 300 yeah. to 250. You know, I, I lowered that line right. till I got to 180, and I was like, well, why not go lower? Well, I'm going to I'll let you go in a second, but your progression makes me happy because you, you know, from, from my perspective, you prove out the theory. You were, yeah. you were, you're an older diabetic, so somebody who got, you know, 
not great technology, not great insulin moved into different eras was in that space of A1C that's obviously too high, but people are telling you, ah, don't worry about it, it's okay. You found the podcast, learned how to implement it. It worked for you. You could cut, you could keep eating like that if you wanted to, and you'd be able to take good care of yourself. And now you've decided, you know what, I'm going to eat keto, but you're still using what you learned in the podcast. You're just using it for the keto diet. 100%. This is my goal. My goal is I don't care what you eat. You need to understand how insulin works and then you can eat however you want. I've never once, um, I've never once thought of myself as caring about how people eat. Um, yeah. I, I'm not pushing carbs on you. I'm just saying that I think it's unreasonable to think that everybody's going to be a vegan or everybody's going to be low carb, and everyone deserves to have low, stable blood sugars. That, yeah, that's you it. need to learn how the insulin works, and that was never really explained in detail. And that's where I go back to the education, if you know, yeah. however you can get it, and. Thank you for putting this out there. And and uh, I know a lot of people that turned on to the, the podcast. It's the same thing. It's like, wow, man. It, but it's learning how to, learning how to, it works. You, you're right. Timing and amounts. Yep. Whatever it is you're eating. I don't care what you eat. You could eat, you know, candy, caramel, corns all day long. If you can figure it out, God, more power to you. Yep. But know how to do it. And right. that's what I learned from the podcast. Thank you. And, and I appreciate you saying that. The, here it is. Eating healthy, whatever that means, and having stable blood sugars are not the same thing. They don't need to be the same thing. You, you know, like you can control any carbs you take in with insulin if you do it correctly. I'm not saying it's a great idea. <laughs> like I'm not saying eat caramel corn all day long. But if you're going to, just because that's your decision doesn't mean you don't deserve to have good blood sugars, a nice A1C, and a nice long life as long as you can live it. Um, Correct. And I don't understand anybody who would argue one diet from another. That's that's a that's a different conversation. Like if you want to make one of those arguments, like you shouldn't eat meat, or you know you know whatever, like whatever your your argument might be, that's a different argument than y you need to understand your insulin. But somehow they get conflated sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and, they do, and it's yeah. just it's like the people that look at you can't have that cookie. Yeah. Like, well, why not? So there's two things a type one diabetic cannot eat. Right. First is poison. Yeah, 100%. And the second is anything made with poison. So if that cookie is not made with poison, right. damn it, I can eat it. But if you don't know how to use your insulin and you eat a cookie, your Correct. blood sugar is going to be 350, just so you know. Yes. Uh, and, yes. and so let's get that straight. And I think we went a long way towards helping people understand what it is to eat keto. These, ex these conversations are not to teach people to eat keto or teach people to be a vegan. It's to have a real conversation with a person with type 1 who has made that choice. So I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing this all with us. I really do. Sure. Happy to do it. Thank you. I, it's been really nice knowing you too. My, not that we're never going to see each other again, Mike, but I've enjoyed, <laughs> I've enjoyed our relationship. So, um, so I appreciate yeah, that as well. Thank you. All right. Hold on one second. I'll send you those recipes. Oh yeah. Seriously do that. I will. All right. Put them in the show notes. <laughs> I, I, th yeah. They'll be right in the show notes with the links to the advertisers that if you click on the podcast gets to keep going. Right, Mike? Yeah, it's absolutely. And I did switch to G6 because of you. Thank you. Dexcom, Mike bought a G6 because of me. And I got, did get a new meter. Ah, <laughs> got the Contour next one? The one Arden uses. Ah, there we go. And that thing is spot on accurate. And I re I'm going to take up one more minute of your time. I don't lie. Go ahead, tell me. <laughs> so I've been a type one test monkey for years. And 
I don't know if you know what a YSI machine is, but it's uh, it's basically the most accurate meter there is. And they take these blood draws for whatever they're doing every mm -hmm. so often. So that meter compared to the YSI, the closest, and it was the AccuCheck. And that was several years ago at my old meter. Right. Um, it was dead on closest from all the meters. And I had like five different meters with me. I'm not going to go into other names, but you want a good one? Get the right one. Contour next one. I knew it, right? Hey, let's just say right yep. here, contournext.com forward slash juice box. <laughs> That's all you got to do. No, I appreciate you saying that because seriously, I meant everything I said about wanting to help people. And this podcast went from what I thought was going to be an extension of my blog to a real legitimate full-time job. It, it, it's This podcast takes up my entire week and and I'm happy to do it. I actually really very much enjoy doing it. You know, but the other side of that is, is that, you know, I got kids and bills and a yeah. house and everything else and I can't give away. Hey, he's showing me the meter. He really has it. Check the meter. <laughs> it's a great meter. Um, and you know what, too, I, I'm not selling anymore. I really mean this. As the technology gets better and better and better, you know, CGM, you still need a meter. Yep. So have a good one because you're going to get one anyway. So, you know, get a good one. That's all I think. Get I a great know. one. Yeah. Good point, Mike. Let's not just get a good meter, get a great meter. You guys well, might hear that in a future thing. ad, by the way. <laughs> the other thing that really upsets me is the FDA allows meters plus or minus 20%. So are you 80 or 120? Right. Are you 50 or are you, whereas, you know, if you have a great meter that you can rely on, you can rely on that number. I have to tell you something else while we're being mad about things. If you... It, I mean, how much more difficult can it be to make a great meter than a good meter? Like, if you're going to make a meter, why would it not just, like, work really well? And by the way, if it doesn't work really well, be a mensch and get out of the game. Say to yourself, the best meter we could make is the sixth best meter in the world. Maybe we shouldn't make blood glucose meters. We'll make something else. You, you know what yeah. I mean? That's such an odd thing. I think that about I, cars. I percent agree. <laughs> I think that about cars sometimes too. I'm like, how much effort would it have been to just make this piece so it didn't fall off the car? <laughs> you, know, like, but, you know, you figure they save two dollars per one unit over a hundred thousand. Yeah, making the car already. Why don't you make it nice? Is it really? I like, agree. Yeah, I don't understand that. So anyway, all right, Mike, we can talk forever. Um, I've got to go live my life, and I'm assuming that you have to cook for your wife, or she'll starve to death. So it's uh, coming up on lunchtime. So yeah, I have to make something for my trophy wife. <laughs> well, I'm glad that she's um, an exceptional woman. Uh, that you sound like you seem lucky to have. <laughs> I am. Every day I wake up, and she's still there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes my wife will get up and walk out. And I'll look at the kids and I go, I knew she was going to leave eventually. <laughs> you can hear her from the other room. She's like, I'm just using the bathroom. I'm like, no, no, that's it. She's out of here. I can tell. Uh, okay, Mike. Take Thanks so out. much, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Scott. I really appreciate you. No, that's it's my pleasure. Have a good night. You too. Thanks. Hey, huge thanks to Mike for coming on the show. He'll be back again in an After Dark series. Wow, did you hear that thunder? I'm not editing that out. That scared the living crap out of me. Uh, uh, thank you also to the Omnipod. Uh, see if you're eligible for the free 30-day trial of the Dash at omnipod.com forward slash juicebox and Dexcom at dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Get yourself a CGM. Find out what's going on. Uh, this could be the end of my life. Uh, so if you um, if you never hear from, oh my god, the dogs are going crazy. That was a lot of thunder. 
Wow. Dexcom and Omnipod paying for a weather report, huh? It's raining in New Jersey. This AccuWeather forecast is brought to you by Dexcom and Omnipod. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juicebox podcast.